0: Previously, on The Tony Kornheiser
1: Show. This is a blowout, but like you in a swimming pool, Tony, I'm a standard. <laughs> and maybe I'm down an eyeball, but I see things from a different angle. I see Texas being too confident, celebrating early with a team meal in Houston at a restaurant that boasts a one-star review on Yelp the Thick Chick. And let me tell you something, just before tip-off, those spicy buffalo sandwiches they've feasted on are not sitting well. Let's just say it severely affects their deprecatory behavior.
2: <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. And in response to that from Mark Graff at Hill Air Force Base in Utah, the best Oscar for March Madness bracket segment goes to Greg Garcia. <laughs> yes, it does. He's not winning, though. He had UCSB. They're out in the first round. He's yeah. not winning. No. Phil's mom's not winning. She had Marquette, right? That was a tough
0: one. She's yeah, not she's near the bottom, along with Jason Lockin for it and Son. Yeah, the great yeah. zucchini is uh, rounding out the rounding out the cellar. I
3: think Jason's son had Maryland winning it all. Yeah, they're so out.
0: but I love that Jason buries his son by putting in parentheses and Son. Right? No, he's he a he big said, Maryland fan. He
3: said, He said then, but he said, my son filled this out for me. They're getting ready for opening Who's winning at the moment? Do we know? Uh,
0: Currently, we have Spike Braun. Okay, of course. Leading. Well, he has a girlfriend now. And Gary in second. Oh, that's correct. The bronze. Yeah. Uh,
2: My thanks to Patrick M. Rayer uh, for the information about Lee Corcoran. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. So, there's a couple of things I want to get to. On my phone yesterday or two days ago, or three days ago, or four days ago, it doesn't matter because it comes on a very frequent basis. On my phone is a notification from CVS that I can get COVID tests, at-home COVID tests for free. Rapid tests, yes. Yeah, they're, they're phasing these things out as we go from pandemic to endemic in someone else's eyes, not mine. But they're phasing these tests out. And so you can get some. It says you can get some. So I go to a CVS yesterday morning. Now, I make this mistake, and I never, it never even occurred to me. I should have gone to Evelyn's CVS. Oh, right. I should have gone to the CVS inside in the, target. the Target. Yes, where across they have been, from the Whole Foods. They have been yeah. so nice to me over a long period of time, and I never even thought about it. And I went to another CVS, and that will be nameless or directionless. I won't say where it was. First of all, I walk in there, and, and the pharmacy is closed. At uh, 10 in the morning. It's closed. Not going to open, the guy tells me, till 11. Even though the sign above the pharmacy says Sunday's 10 to 5. It's not a good start, is it? Okay. So then I get, I come back. I go out. I get some stuff. I come back about 5 to 11. I see a woman. I walk to the pharmacy. I see a woman standing to my left. So I go, okay, she's first. And I figure I'm second. At 11 o'clock, the gates go up. It's like all paramutual betting is stopped. (laughs) The gates go up. And the woman walks to the counter because she's picking up medicine. And all of a sudden from behind her, a guy shows up. And he looks at me to to his right. And he says, there's a line. I said, well, how would I have known that standing here, over here? He goes, there's a line. This is a classic CVS setup. He's a line. There's a line. Yeah. I feel okay. Okay. I go behind him. I don't like him. But I feel, okay, this could be legitimate. Then a woman gets behind me, and then some guy, my age, my age, if not older, starts wandering around. He's wandering around. He passes all of us. Now, at this point, the woman in front is picking up stuff. I'm not, I I don't want to pick up. I have to talk to somebody. Sure. Sure. And the guy who was in front of me in a black jacket, he's up talking to her. Okay, that's legit. When he's done the wanderer, as Uh, Dion would call him, (laughs) the wanderer goes right up to the woman who's the pharmacist. And I look at this guy. I'm about 15 feet away. And I'm like, I'm amazed by this. He takes some stuff out of his hands, pill jars. And I walk up to him and I go, there was a line, what are you doing? And he says to me, I, I've got the wrong pills here, I need to change pills. I said, change it from behind the line. I'm an inch away from hitting this guy in the head. He's my age at least, I can take him down. <laughs> but he moves to the back. Okay. I go up, she asks me a couple of questions. I don't get them then and there. She asks my age, she asks my birth date. She says, have you ever been in a store before? I go, in my life, yeah. I don't even know what that means. But I believe now that I probably haven't gotten prescriptions from there. I get almost all of my prescriptions from Brookville Pharmacy. Right. That's right. So I believe I may not very well be in their, in their log. And I believe I'm not going to get these tests. I'm not going to get them. So I'm going to go to Evelyn at some point and at, say, help me At least out you,
0: if you go to Evelyn, you can ask her, how do I how get do- into the system so that I'm eligible for these tests? Because once you're in any CVS... It's easy to transfer prescriptions from one pharmacy to another.
2: So it just—I mean, this. The, the,
0: now to reset he this. He says,
2: "I'm—you know—I need to change these pills." What? Okay. There's but, a line. Okay, but
0: look at it from his side. You are in line for pickup. He no, went I to, wasn't. Oh, yeah, I was were. in the only
2: line. Okay,
0: but that is on the pickup side. This is the problem with the CVS system. Mm-hmm. These lines are—these aisles are perpendicular. To the counter, and one is for drop off, one is for pick up, and
3: they normally have more than one uh, pharmacist working. Uh, I tend to default to if there's a line, I think you should get to the end of the line. Yeah, and I specifically said to this fellow, "Right, there's a line."
0: Yeah, I just can't believe you let him get ahead of. Like, how did he he get position? He just. This is like a merge. Yeah,
2: yeah. He wandered. He, he just wandered up there before the other guy was walking away. He yeah. just stood behind the guy in I'm, the black. I'm gonna say
3: that this fella knew what he was doing and was just trying to nonchalant his way up to the front of the line. So I would have been agitated. He came that. close to being on the floor. <laughs> right. So but, my bigger issue with
0: that with that CVS and this setup in general is the line then extends through the aisle. So let's say you're trying to actually just shop the aisle, right? You can't because there's normally that's right. three yeah, there's, to five people deep.
2: Yeah, that, you're right. And also, why are they opening at 11 if the sign says 10? Oh, just wait till you get to the CVS pharmacy lunch break. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, they specifically that's, say that 1.30 to 2.
3: Yeah, that's always I fun understand when that. you show up for that. And, and by the way, I'm also sort of agitated at when the, guy, the first guy who said, hey, there's a line here. It was just you and him, right? There was nobody else in in a line at that point. It was well, just I didn't him? know because I wasn't in that line. I yeah. was in the
2: next aisle.
3: Yeah, but then when when you I went, don't know. when you you, you get directly yeah, behind, so it was him, behind right? him, right? Yeah, see that guy at that point. He said, "Hey, I thought there was a line over here." He. It's not like there's a line of twelve
2: people. I felt that he had legitimacy. Okay, I felt and, and the other the guy, guy had possession. no legitimacy it, the, to,
0: try, to try and bring up the line and where it starts. That is the burden of being at the front of the line, and it's right. different than say the self-checkout at a, at a Safeway, where yes. you know the line's going to move, it's going to
2: open. Right, a
0: pharmacy, you could be asking questions for ten minutes. Yeah, there's always I have another
2: thing that happened. As I was parking in the parking lot near this CVS, uh, that's a very narrow parking lot. Oh, if, if I think I know the one that this is, yes. As I was parking in that, I saw for the second time in my life a car that I had never seen before, one I have passed while walking the dog, and one parked about 20 feet away from me. There was a woman in the car with a young child. She was on the phone, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited. When she got out of the car, she said, excuse me, what, what kind of car is this? I have to describe it. It's like Um, a Range Rover it's boxy like a Range Rover but bigger than a Range Rover about the size of a Yukon not as big as a Suburban but about the size of a Yukon it's a big automobile Mm -hmm. and its name is R-I-V-I-A-N Rivian I said what is that and she said oh this is a Rivian I said well what is that she says it's is it made I said is it made in America she said it's an all-electric vehicle um that she's got i said is it made in america and she said it's actually made in normal illinois which is i believe the birthplace of dave kindred normal illinois and it's it, it's boxy it's not sleek but it's attractive looking it's sharp
0: yeah yeah have you ever seen one I, I for the first time last week driving down our street you saw one yeah it looks like an old wagoneer
2: yes Yes, it's called Rivian. It's a brand, apparently a brand new car coming. This probably goes. So I looked at her and I went 50, 60, and she says a little bit more than that. And there was a butt involved, you know, because she she felt there was value to it. And she felt she was going to have it for a very long time. You never heard of it. No, I've, nev- I've never seen Rivian. One of these. Michael, you've heard of it. Yeah. I, just
0: because I saw it, but that is, guess, I would right? guess, yeah. guess. So I just pulled it up. I've not seen the sort MSRP. Sort of looks like a Bronco, which too. Which is now just whatever the dealership wants to make up, but I would guess at least 90.
2: Oh, I, I didn't. That's a big car. Yeah, I didn't I didn't ask for the price, but I mean, she was saying that she liked it. I love the, the freedom
0: it. that you have to just approach people yeah, in no, a parking lot. you tell lot. me that's
2: a terrible thing to do. I, I kept my distance, and from no, a nothing distance Nothing like away, a mom
0: alone with a kid in a parking
2: lot having you just I didn't me, walk up. meander over after getting to a fight at I CBS. I didn't walk <laughs> up. I did not walk up. No, this is before Hackles the up. fight. This is before the fight. That's why I'm standing outside. Um... <laughs> I just said, excuse me, like that. I, can I ask about your car? That's, you know, because it's the second one I've yeah. seen.
3: Yeah, and you're not asking, like, can I see your driver's license? Do you have proof of ownership? No, no, like no, 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 yeah. no, no. Were you on your get, phone? No.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um,
3: by, by the way, right, I'm looking at the price right now. Yeah, Michael, you're, you're pretty much on it. Okay. 90? Yes. Yeah. A lot well, of money. for the limited edition, uh, that's 110000 It's a lot of money, but, I, you know,
0: it's
2: all nice, electric. Though. Yeah. Do I they
0: get the designated parking like the Teslas?
2: I didn't see anything that said Rivian because it's only the second Rivian I've ever seen. I've never seen Does it seen say that. it's made in America in normal Illinois? Was she correct about that? I assume. Luke came by last night. Luke. Luke came by with his book, the beautiful cover from behind Luke. It looks like Sedona or someplace like that. Oh yeah, and, it's, and it's from behind and it says, Look for me there, grieving my father, finding myself Luke Russert. I started I started to cry when I read it very quickly, started to cry. But it was so nice to see Luke. Um and I brought Luke, I said, Luke, when when you're ready, you can be on the show. And he basically said, I'm ready today. Because <laughs> Luke likes to be on the show. Luke likes to talk. It was great to see Luke. Happy about that. Wish it's been more.
0: over it. So this book has been in the writing for many years. And for me, uh, we are the same age. I mean Luke That's right. me graduated through St. Albans when we were in uh, sixth right. grade. But to see the evolution from uh, the sort of the the photos and the the blog style entries, these very personal looks into his travels. And then to see how that writing became a little bit more structured, a little bit more uh, poignant. I, I remember some series he was doing through Alaska to then see this product. It's, it's, it's really amazing. Uh,
2: Luke will tell you, you know, what's on his... He'll, if you sit down with Luke, you you're going to listen for a while. <laughs> yes. Luke's ready to go yes. and he's ready to tell you to cut open his soul, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what he does. That's Okay, that's fine. So I was watching the golf yesterday in between the basketball games. Which golf? Now, I watched live one time for about 45 seconds. I saw a woman interviewing Phil Mickelson and some other guy. They were wearing team shirts. They were talking about their team. I had no interest in their so team. So that's the high flyers, not the firecrackers? I think they're the firecrackers. The fireballs? Fireballs or something that I had no interest in their team at all. And, I, and they wouldn't tell me who was winning the tournament. They wouldn't tell me. I thought maybe there was a playoff. Well, there's tournaments I, within the tournament. I just couldn't follow it, was it and a didn't care about it. It was a lot of moving things on the screen. Yeah, I didn't care about yeah. it. So I went over, I, I stayed with the other one because I thought Jordan Spieth was going to win. Jordan Spieth made two great shots. He made a, a birdie on 12, right? He, yep. Or was it 14? 14, maybe. He made a birdie on 14. He made a great sand shot on 15. Great sand shot to save par on a par 3. And then on 16, just as, and I'm not exaggerating, just as Paul Azinger or Brad Faxon, I don't know which one, so I can't tell them apart because you don't see them, said this is the only tough shot left on the golf course. It was the tee shot on 16. 16. The Par four, around the water. They say this. It's the only tough shot left. Jordan Spieth tees it up, hits it. Shakes his head, looks over to the right, and plop in the water.
0: Ball, Michael. He loses the <laughs> tournament. <laughs> no, that the crazy thing about Speed is he doesn't actually lose the tournament. Well, he, he makes a twelve footer for bogey. Yeah, and he then proceeds to hit a. He makes an un- un- unbelievable four from about yeah. two twenty-five to twelve feet, the best shot of the day on a par three. And you think Jordan Speed going to do Jordan Speed things? He makes the uh, the unbelievable happen. No, it's a weak putt. It doesn't even get to the hole. Yeah. This is on the low side. So I'm watching
2: Adam Shank, you know, the aptly named Shank. Like you can't. And if, if your playing, last
0: name is Shank and you're getting to the 72nd hole and you're hitting it opposite hand against a tree, <laughs> yeah, you
2: Shank <should>, you Opotamus. <laughs> um, and he's got the great story in the tournament because his wife is eight months pregnant yeah. oh. and she's walking around, you know, and it's 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 a lovely story, and he screws up on 17 as well what well, but he makes he makes a
0: 25 footer for par so they, he's made both uh shank and speed are going back and forth with some big butts he has a bad bunker shot but makes the butt and then proceeds to hit his tee shot against a tree right he has to play it lefty and that's where you think oh the gallery is in play yeah
2: <laughs> and a guy who wins a guy wins it he should the guy who won it should have had to be in a playoff You'd he think. wasn't in the playoffs It didn't have that. Uh, He was
0: working on the range expecting a playoff. His name is Taylor
2: Moore. I don't know who he is. And I missed the end because I took the dog out. I missed the absolute end. He sort of thought it was going to go to playoff, and he thought he'd have another 30 minutes. Yes. I thought there'd be a playoff, and so there I'd be back, and I'd be able to watch it. I missed it, and I missed the live playoff. The sortie tour, as I like to call it. I miss their
0: play. So I, I went back to it because, again, by being on TV, the best thing to happen to them is on my at least my cable system, they're one channel away yes. from the PGA Tour broadcast. That's so you right. just go up or down. Right. Uh, we were on the phone at this point because the, the boys were watching Wild Kratts, And I go back to it as last channel. And it honestly looked like a bit from Arrested Development where they're on a podium with like firework sizzlers in the front, in the in the foreground <laughs> that begin to sizzle out as they're playing music from a couple years ago.
2: Was there a lot? <laughs> everything just was there, felt so dated. I didn't dated. see any crowd there.
0: Was there a big crowd? No. Was it was in Tucson.
2: It was in the United States. It's in
0: a golf hotbed. And, and I was thinking about this. Like, I don't, I'm not supporting this tour for a few reasons, but I, the golf, I, I want to see how it turns out, but I would, I would be hard-pressed not to go if, if I if I lived there because I would say there. it's interesting to see some of these get players. Get to see
2: Phil, get to see Brooks Kepka, get to see Dustin Johnson. Like sure. to to follow
0: Kepka right now after the tortured window into his life from Full Swing would be it'd be interesting for an
2: hour or two. So, anyway, that's all I've got. Um, if you've seen a Rivian or if you've got a Rivian, you can email us and then maybe somebody can write a book about stories out of the Rivian sure we could do that that would be lovely Not stories the from the CVS yes yeah, you story. didn't
0: even get to use your five cent coupon
2: I had everything with me and I got
0: I don't know didn't even get the test I got slandered the expired <laughs> test I heard words
2: I never heard in the Bible Michael Wilbon will to return on Tony Kornheiser
4: I'm Mark Chapman welcome to the Planet Premier League
1: podcast
2: This comes to us from PJ, who writes, A few years ago, you played one of my songs called This Love of Mine. Is this the song? Yes. This Love of Mine, which I had written to mark my first Valentine's Day with my former girlfriend, Lizzie. What I didn't mention at the time was that Lizzie is Rufus Peabody's sister. And admittedly, former girlfriend's probably an odd way to describe her. Since 2021, she became the woman to whom I now related by marriage. She's actually a podcaster like you, though. Her show doesn't stink. In fact, her show Side Door is the flagship podcast of the Smithsonian. It's a good gig, even if she does get fewer free sneakers than you do. <laughs> anyway, I'm hoping the connective tissue of the show could help out my other brother-in-law, Tom Peabody. Tom's playing a small tour through the southeast in early May. He's looking for connections to venues and other musicians willing to share the stage in Richmond, Richmond, Chapel Hill, Charlotte, and New Orleans. Anyway, we'll get to that on the next song. But this is the first song, and this is called This Love of Mine, and this is PJ. It was Rufus Peabody's brother. Rufus Peabody. Connected show. to everyone. We got to call Ma and say, do you know this about the guys? <laughs> they yes. play in Michael Wilbon. Let's start with the overview, which I'm sure will be the opening question on the PTI show today, which is, I'm sure it'll be this. Not what is the biggest surprise to you, but what is the biggest takeaway from four full days, you know, from the first two rounds already?
5: This is what we thought it would be. I mean, there were plenty of forecasts, and any forecast that didn't just had chalk teams moving ahead was stupid and not paying attention to what college basketball has become. Um, and it was moving this way anyway. It's been moving in this direction for 30 years. But now with, with, with the transfer portal uh, and, and name and likeness, you, I mean, kids, every school, you put up a sign in the front yard, and you can get probably two four-stars to come play for you. Um, if you can make people think they should come play for you and you can get, be on TV, and the kid can also make some money. How about some of these commercials? How about the AT&T Curb commercials? Commercials, national TV commercials with Kentucky players. And it's interesting, or at least one player, it's interesting that they're not wearing blue and white, but they do have the logo. I, I don't know what is what there, but... So you have a condition now, where anybody can beat anybody, and it doesn't matter if you're Power Five or I, you know, the Ivy League has as many teams in the Sweet Sixteen as the Big Ten, and so this is what we've got. It's not, and it's just going to be more and more this way, and be more spread out. I think so. Of the Sweet Six, of the Sweet Sixteen schools, eleven are from different conferences.
2: So this is yes, this is the undeniable takeaway in years past let's take a normal year let's say 10 years ago let's go back 10 years when you got to the sweet 16 at least 11 maybe 12 or 13 of those teams were top four seeds you could count on that and those top four seeds were invariably from as you're saying mike power five conferences that's not true now It's just it's just not true. You don't get as many and they are not concentrated in power five conferences anymore. It's right. It's just it's just different now.
5: Yeah. And then they're not the blue bloods who are out. And this is the way it is. This is the way it is. And this is the way it's going to be um, unless there's some cataclysmic. No. change in the fabric of I agree with this of, of, of college basketball So, and, and it doesn't even matter whether people like this or not or, this is it this is what you got yeah um, and so it's just what the games themselves are the attraction and I think that part is really good the games are the attraction um, and, 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 and you discover and you see a player and you go where'd this
2: kid come from how, how this kid is really good you know I, the under six foot kid on Kansas State. Really that kid's really good.
5: But there's a lot of them. There's a, there's a Penn State kid who's like six four, six five, and he plays like Adrian Dantley used to. Nobody, nobody listening now has no. any idea what I'm talking about. No. And he's like six five, and he can get anywhere he wants on the basketball court. And that's how Penn State almost stayed alive to this point. When you thought a few weeks ago, what if they came make the tournament? And then I like, and Tony, so they're play, I told you, I was looking forward to just finding out who can, I want to know who can play. These individual players who can play. And there's one guy who's been around for forever, and it didn't take name and likeness, and it didn't take transfer portal, it's Drew Timmy.
2: Yeah, he's a good player. I can
5: watch Drew Timmy play every night, like a pro. And the, 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 the conundrum is, can, can he be a pro? He'll be a pro somewhere, and he'll make a roster at least for it. But, but it's it very undecided as to whether or not people think he is worth even a first-round draft pick in the NBA. And I think he may be the best player in the field. I don't mean the most talented. I just mean, like, if I, had, if I was choosing up shirts and skins right now and I, and I got to go with some people I know and I can get a scouting report on, I'll take Drew Timmy. And, but it doesn't even mean he can play next year.
2: I don't know. How did Northwestern do, in your opinion? I understand they Great. lost, but how did they Great. do? It? Yeah.
5: Great. We played, UCLA did even. Yeah. What else What else were we supposed to do? We played a 2 seed. We were a 7. UCLA's a 2, and those seedings were probably about right. We played them even. The game was, we had a shot in the air to tie the game at 60 um, with less than a minute to play and missed the 3, and, you know, they hit free throws, and so it was a five point ending, but. We play UCLA. We, we play with dial and smarts. And I'm hoping that some kids who are real recruits and transfer eligible kids will pay attention to what we've got going on in Evanston. I, I, just, I texted our AD, uh, Derek Gregg, yesterday and just said, proud, 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 proud.
2: Good for That's you. Right. Good for Northwestern. That's what I, did. I'm
5: gonna, I, I didn't text Chris because I'm going to call him, Chris Collins, Big Ten Coach of the Year. Chris Collins, I'm going to text Chris, I'll call Chris later today. And uh, we, you know, we had UCLA on the ropes, man. UCLA on the ropes in California. So I'm told the building was electric, and obviously UCLA had more people than we did, Uh, but in terms of fans. But we had a, you know, we won a game. We never trailed in the game we played against Boise. We led. I think there was two ties we led wire to wire essentially, and then UCLA. We 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 play. We're down 16 and tied UCLA. So I got no, you know, I got no complaints about what we did.
2: There is one thing as we as we talk about how the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness has changed everything, and it is it has. But there's one thing that's still good. Tom Izzo in March gets yeah. to the Sweet 16. Yeah. He sometimes goes further. But Tom Izzo in March yeah. knows what he... There was two great coaching jobs that I saw. Rick Barnes did a great job with Tennessee getting completely physical with Duke, understanding that in the ACC, and Rick Barnes knows the ACC well, in the ACC, teams aren't physical. And he, they beat Duke. They out-physical Duke. And yeah. Tom Izzo looked at Marquette and said... We can beat this team. We can bump this team. We can get them off their rhythm. They're a rhythm team. And he beat them. Those two guys, right, Mike, did a great Uh, job.
5: There were were a lot, Tony. There were a lot. And and, and in fairness, I didn't watch anything else. I sat in front of a three-TV wall, and I watched every game of the tournament all weekend. Didn't watch any golf? Didn't watch any? No, no,
2: no, no. Ooh, okay. Golf
5: golf was unimportant. That's a non-tournament. No. No, I watch I watch basketball. This is March. That's what I do. I watch every college game. I watch them all, and there were a lot of great coaching jobs. Uh, the uh, the 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 San Diego State. I mean, look they they can play. I don't you know. There's some teams that just have. The Penn State. This, the guy at Penn State did a hell of a job. There were there were any number of terrific coaching. Chris Collins did a heck of a job.
2: Obviously, the Princeton guy did a great job.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so, the yes, it is. Yeah, this comes as no surprise that Izo did a great job. I would say watching that game, so did Shaka Smart. I mean, you know, they, they, they you know, these were guys playing chess and moving the pieces around and. Um, I, yeah, I, they, they have my admiration, but so do a lot of people that, you know, maybe folks don't know, or they didn't watch that game. People in March where you watch a feature game, or they may have a certain team or their bracket. I'm not talking about brackets now. I'm talking about some teams that played some close games. The Kansas game was that's the game that's the best game of the tournament. Who did Kansas lose to?
3: Arkansas. Um, Arkansas. Yeah. Arkansas. My God,
5: that game. Ar- Arkansas. Are you kidding me? Musselman? Really? Really? Charles pointed out, Charles, I Kurt Charles' great credit. K- Charles brought said to go to the game. Everybody in their studio, and it was Clark, and I, it wasn't Kenny. I don't know who was in the studio at the time. Picked Kansas, and Charles said, you know, <laughs> this Muscleman guy, he knows he, what he's been doing since he's like four years old.
2: Because yes, his father knew what he was doing. Yeah, his dad was a big coach,
5: and and Eric, I mean, terrific coaching job. And so, you got you know you got double digit guys out there, man, who just knew what they were doing. So, uh, no, no, I didn't pay attention to. I, I couldn't tell you. There were things going on in the world, and people like you didn't know that. You know, you didn't know Hawaii had a snowstorm. No, I didn't know anything. I watched the tournament. That's that's all I did. That's all I'm gonna do. I started started to begin on Thursday.
2: So you picked Gonzaga to win, I believe. You still, yeah. they're still eligible. How do you feel about that now? Uh,
5: it, you know, Tony, anybody could win or lose. Anybody, it's a lottery. Um, do I think that Gonzaga can still win? Sure. Do I think they're the best team? I don't know. It doesn't make any difference whether you think they're the best team or not. That that's unimportant. Um, somebody. <laughs> Who, Zach has UCLA, of course, because Zach can lose to UCLA next. Yeah. Of course they can. They can beat them. But they can lose to them. And I like watching this kid, Drew Timmy, play. 6'11", 6'10", 6'11". He's a guy who's been around for 130 years. He's like 23 by the time the draft comes around. He, last night, there was a play... Where Gonzaga's trailing and they need a basket badly, and you're used to guards controlling NCAA tournament games because that's what happens. And Timmy has the ball and he's backing the kid down, and over his right shoulder, he shoots a left-handed, with rotation, off his fingertips, baby hook shot that's all net and it's closely guarded. And I was so glad whoever was doing the game. Made a big deal, and this will be, talk about the my a lot of my enjoyment from the tournament just comes with the people who are calling the games. Jimmy Jackson is one of my favorite people that I covered his whole life. I covered Jimmy Jackson played a course uh, at Ohio State, and then he played like 15 years in the in the in the NBA, and I got to know Jim Jackson real well. And he's now doing games, and he, it's just he's fabulous doing these games. But Drew Timmy did this. And I'm like, that's Kevin McHale. No one knows what this is going to be. And I don't know if that was Jim Jackson's game, but somebody comes back and says, I'm going to date myself now and say that was a move straight out of the repertoire of Kevin McHale. And I start screaming. And so, you know, I don't know, Tony, if Gonzaga is the best team. Can they survive? Can Can Gonzaga win? Two more games, get to the Final Four. Of course they can.
2: Well, they've been there before, and they've been in the final game. But
5: can they lose the next game? Yeah, they can.
2: Yeah. All right. Enjoy. I'll talk to you later. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Chuck Culpepper will be with us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
4: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The
0: Tony Kornheiser Show.
2: This one is called Nobody Wins. This is Tom Peabody, who must be Rufus Peabody's brother. Because this comes from Rufus Peabody's brother-in-law. It's a big family, the Peabody's. (laughs) And Tom Peabody is... Looking for connections to venues and other musicians, when you share the stage in Richmond, Chapel Hill, Charlotte, and New Orleans, you can contact him at TomPBuddy.com. This is called Nobody Wins. There's a P.S. from PJ. That Indian city you named your dog after, Pune. I lived there for a summer in 2011. Nice place, and the whoppers were definitely cheaper than at the Connecticut <laughs> Avenue Burger King. How do we get these things? (laughs) Michael, if PJ or Tom Peabody want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizershow.com. Simply unbelievable. Chuck Culpepper joins us now. I'm going to try and embarrass him as much as I can. I'm going to tell this story. I got a note the other day from Matt Rennie. Matt Rennie is an editor at the Washington Post. And Matt Rennie enclosed this clip to me a lead that Chuck Culpepper had written on the Fairleigh Dickinson-Purdue game. Everybody remembers that there's only been, to that point, one team, the University of Virginia, that ever lost, proudly, on my standards, to an America East team, by the way, UMBC. Anyway, enclose this clip. The dateline is Columbus, Ohio. The door to the quirky dungeon in which a Virginia team sat alone for five years suddenly, Inexplicably creaked open on Friday night and a shaft of light streamed in, and in that light there appeared to be the best sight ever known to misery, company. And Rennie said, Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chuck Culpepper. (laughs) So just I hope you're embarrassed by that. That that people just stand back and watch you write. Uh and by the way, you struck gold. How did you happen to go to Columbus? What what was the reason? Because you struck gold.
1: I'm embarrassed. Good, and um, <laughs> and I was trying to choose between Denver, Greensboro, and Columbus, and I was driving myself half mad and realizing that you know finally realizing this it's a privilege. And then Jerry Brewer, our columnist, said, "Just ship me a text and said you have to go to Columbus. There's the most stories there." Not knowing that, of course, that story was going to come out of it, but it had Tom Izzo. It had Fantastic Marquette team, you know, had, um, it just had, it just looked like it had a few maybe extra possibilities that uh, the others didn't, and uh, then came something that nobody ever considered happening.
2: Where were you born and raised? Suffolk,
1: around Suffolk, Virginia. Okay, Hampton so you, w- area.
2: you will not know this, because you're not born and raised in the New York metropolitan area. You will not know that... Fairly Dickinson has always been referred to as fairly ridiculous. Always, <laughs> by those of us who grew up there. Well, you going to fairly ridiculous, really you couldn't get into a real school, what? it's a 2-year school. <laughs> so, the notion. Now, I know some people who played there. Uh, Seth Greenberg on ESPN his brother Brad played there at Fairly Dickinson. And they they were coached for many years by a guy named Al LaBalba. They're a pretty good basketball team. But they've got if I have this correct and they you know, I'm not at all surprised that they didn't beat FAU. You know, I'm I'm not surprised at that, uh, but they had they have this huge huge win over a number one, the number one, a such a flawed number one. I said this a thousand times last week. I've watched Purdue four or five times on television. They've lost every time. I would say to Wilbon, get off me with this team. They lose every single time. But I never thought they'd lose to Fairleigh Dickinson, where the tallest player is five six. <laughs> like, what did you make as you're watching that? What do you make of it?
1: I, I, I just, I mean, they Purdue had young has young, guard, <clears throat> young guards, and that can really, you know, be a factor in March. And, and as I watched, I thought it was astounding how they uh, they got rattled, and then they got, you know, rickety, and then they they got hopeless. <sighs> All in this sort of sequence of when the ball would go down, when they would go down and look to score, you started to wonder. Uh, how they might do it, even though they have a seven foot four player where you could throw it into him and maybe do it, but he was so hounded. A lot of those plays that, I mean, he got what twenty one points and fifteen rebounds, but he sort of, as the as the game waned, he sort of, his, him as a factor waned. So, you know, he, they they just pestered them to pieces. So, it was. Yeah, it was certainly odd to see. It was a little less odd that it was the second one. You know, we we have seen this before. Yeah. Yeah. happen before. It had that feeling about it. You know, where you know it's it's not quite historic, but it was uh, it was quite some experience.
2: Their coach is like a D two or D three guy, right. right? He's a guy who right. you know when you coach in D two and D three, I'm sorry, you're not staying at the Ritz Carlton. You know, right. you're driving a school bus to a lot of games. It's, it's really different. I mean, uh, he must have had the time of his life in the last couple of days, that kid. It was not a
1: kid, but he's, you know, to me, he's it, a kid. He, he went through the list. He, was, he, he said, you, you book the hotels, you order the food, you know, you arrange the practice court times versus the, the women's basketball team and the volleyball team and so on. Um, you do everything. When, and it was, it was really something to have a second-round game coming up, as, as it, was on, uh, it would, happened on Sunday. So the, on Saturday, we were listening to him, and he was talking about stack. He kept saying stack, and it meant S-T-A-Q, which is St. Thomas Aquinas, which is where he was coaching in Division two. Yeah. And then he started talking about inheriting a squad at Clarkson that had never um, – Hadn't won for a long, long time. And I, I think he won 24 games the first year. It's
2: and that's D3. Division III. It's D3. I know it because yeah. it's in Potsdam where my friend Jimmy McSparren grew up and played basketball. And when you go to school in upstate New York, you know these names. This is D3 school. We were at D3 school when we were Harper College. If this guy had coached at Harper, I'd have blown my brains out. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, he, and then he's playing FAU. Um, FAU is in Boca Raton. Uh, This is the last place you'd ever think to be a college. Who's going to college in Boca? Stop. Everybody in Boca Raton is my age. (laughs) Nobody's going to college there. It doesn't work that way. And how did they, what did they win, 31 on the year?
1: Really? Now they're up to 33 and 3. Who are they? Yeah, they, and they're they're the Owls, which I love. And they, there should be more. That's
2: where Lane Kiffin coach football, right?
1: It is. Yeah, it is. It sure is. And, and, you know, that's where they have a coach named Dusty May, who went to, went to Indiana, was a student manager under Bob Knight. Uh, Mike Davis, who then, you know, led that program to the title game in 02. Uh, he lost to Maryland to him. Yeah. Lost to Maryland, right? And um, Mike Davis came into their locker room at some point this year to give him a talk and said, look, I think you're uh, – I think you're way, way up there. I think you're a final four caliber team because of the how they are really, really bonded. You know you see these teams and they're bonded and then there's some that are very bonded, and there's some that just seem extremely bonded, and that's that's kind of who they are and as player John L. Davis, who against fdu, which wasn't easy, fdu made a lot um a lot more of a contest of it than umbc did against kansas state yeah. in the second round after it beat virginia but this guy got 29 points 12 rebounds five assists and five steals just just fantastic in all all facets and um and and you know was not at all impressed with himself so they've got uh, tennessee next and they can win that and then they're in the Elite Eight if they can do that.
2: That's right. And it's not even the most remarkable story because the most remarkable story is Princeton. And they are, sure. You know, Princeton is the most remarkable story. Um, sure. and Because and these guys, FAU beat FDU. They were the favorites going in. Right. Princeton has knocked off two people. We go, really? Princeton. And those of us of a certain age, Chuck, remember that Princeton, remember Princeton-Georgetown. It's one of the most yeah. famous losses in the history of the tournament. Remember Princeton, Georgetown. And you always and Princeton was always a team where you said to yourself, They've got a chance. Right? They've got right. a chance. And then they should lose by thirty, and they won twice. What do you make of that?
1: Well, and remember they had that forty three forty one win over UCLA in the first round? Yeah. One year. And um and then we we would say they've got a chance, and then we stopped saying that at some point. So the fact that they you know they, I think 59-55 over Arizona, and then 78-63 over Missouri. I, I just, I, I guess it's something that uh, Shaka Smart, the coach at Marquette, said on Saturday. He said, with these teams now who have these seeds like 15, and now we've had three straight years of 15 seeds in Winning. the Sweet Sixteen. That's right.
2: There's been 11 of all of all time, and now and yeah. this is Princeton was the he, 11th.
1: He, he said. something has happened to the fear the fear is completely gone and they they don't have the fear anymore and um i i thought missouri was a little bit vulnerable maybe i didn't think they would lose that game or and definitely not by the margin that they did but um i just i just guess that these teams whereas in college football which i follow there seems to be less parity in college basketball, there seems to be more all the time, and, and more craziness. And you know, we were within a few plays of having a 16 seed in the uh, Sweet 16. It's a pretty close game last night for FDU and FAU. So, yeah, I think, I mean, Princeton is another example of um, of one of these teams that just it goes in and does not think of itself, maybe the way the rest of us think of it, and does not think of itself. As, a, as any kind of low seed. I think that the fear yeah. is gone, as he said. Yeah, I agree with that.
2: And then there's always the, the thing you can count on, that Tom Izzo's going to win some games. He's going to win some games. And they dismantled Marquette in the last five minutes of that game. Totally dismantled them. Marquette couldn't make Marquette didn't know what it was doing out there, and Michigan State did know what it was doing. And then Tom Izzo was interviewed afterwards, because that's going to be in Madison Square Garden, right? Are you going to go to Madison Square Garden with with them?
1: I'm not quite sure yet, but I I think I might be in Kansas City, but I'm not completely sure, but I might.
2: Because Izzo said on air, I just want a big slice of pizza. (laughs)
1: You know,
2: because I love Izzo. Everybody loves Izzo. Everybody loves Izzo. They do. All right, let's get to the overall question here. How can Alabama play these players? what, what, What does that seep through? Does all the scrutiny seep through? And get to Alabama. Are they the third one out?
1: They've got to beat San Diego State in the regional semifinal in Louisville, and then they have to beat either Princeton or Creighton. Um, we would think. It's a good draw. We're making the same mistake. We think they should be able to do that. Um, I, I don't see them losing. If they have too many mm-hmm. capabilities, too much flexibility, uh, too. You know, they have the thing you need for March, which is they can adapt to situations within games based on the talent they have and the, and the, the skills they have and the length they have. So um, I don't see how they will not end up in Houston.
2: I'm not rooting for them. I'm not. I just I I, can't bring myself to root for them at this point. So, you know.
1: Not everybody has to I root for everybody. Um, yeah, I, I think I think a lot of people are very either cautious about rooting for them or uh, or just hoping it goes away. Yeah, it's a, and it, it's it's a it's lot not, to ponder.
2: Their draw is a really good draw, but when yes. when they get into the final four and they have to win two tough games and they get asked these questions constantly and they stop answering these questions, you see, you see what happens. They're college kids, you know they they're not they're not hardened pros. They're not 35 years old. They haven't been doing this for a long time. We will see. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Tony. Thank Ladies
2: you. and gentlemen, Chuck Culpepper. We'll be back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
1: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. One,
4: two, three, four. Here comes Tony's mail bag. Got your email faxed. Here comes Mr. Tony's bag gonna read
2: some for all of your folks. Thank you to Greg Rosendahl and Lindsay Merrow for that. You want to do the Bethesda bagel ad? Yes,
3: uh, before I get to that, I just want to give a shout out to my goddaughter, Katie Robertson, who will be attending... F-A-U as a freshman next year. Fantastic. I think she wants to get a master's at Ingleside after that. Yeah, she'll be the youngest human (laughs) being she will see on the campus. (laughs) Bagel sandwiches. We got those today from Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com
2: for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, let us be lovers. We'll marry our fortunes together. I've got some real estate here in my bag. So we bought a pack of cigarettes and Mrs. Wagner's pies and walked off to look for America. Ah, uh, it's Paul Simon. It's just brilliant. I wrote a paper about it in college. What can I tell you? Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Chuck Culpepper. Thanks to our sponsors, Rocket Money, Indochino, and Etsy. Remember that you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It's
0: great that Wilbon mentioned the
2: crossing guard. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Wilbon. Ah, okay. From Ross Eide, Gonzaga School of Law, 2004. I must be the only little who's an actual Gonzaga alumni. And no, I'm not talking about that little high school in D.C. I'm talking about the other Gonzaga that is in the other Washington. Over the years, I've built up a thick skin as you and Wilbon and nearly every college basketball expert dismiss Gonzaga as playing nobody, playing in a weak conference, not having enough good players, or the greatest indignity of all when someone on your show picked the number one seed, Gonzaga, to lose to the first round to a 16 seed. Yeah, Pablo Torre, I remember. That is why I've been a bit perplexed this year as yourself, Wilbon, Bob Ryan, and even Phil's mom have all picked Gonzaga to go to the Final Four, and some even picked the Zags to win it all. I mean, Wilbon is not surprised, but I am. And while I appreciate the national respect and attention for my little Jesuit school in the inland Northwest, I do have one request for you all. Stop jinxing us. (laughs) If, and that is a big if, if it is Gonzaga's year, it's only because no one is paying any attention to them. So stop paying attention to them and maybe, just maybe they can do the impossible and win it all. Notice I said maybe because I'm not going to jinx them. Thanks to you and the crew for all the good content. Brackets Week is great. Don't listen to anyone else and go Zags. From Jason's Wybell, I wonder if he's related to Alan's Wybell oh, in Lima or Lima, Ohio. I think it's Lima, not Lima, Ohio, but I'm not certain. Sunday, July 1st, 2012, was my 33rd birthday, and I head to the golf course. My standard weekend game is an ABCD blind draw best ball game. I was drawn with Todd and Denny Stump, an uncle and nephew pair. And I heard Denny say to Todd, "Hey, happy birthday," and Todd replies, "Same to you." Before I could utter a syllable, Doug Collins, our other teammate, not that Doug Collins, says, wait, it's your your guy's birthday too? At this point, we were forced to produce driver's licenses for proof. In a group of 20 guys, for there to be four with the same birthday is one thing. But to have one in each of the A, B, C, D categories drawn together on the day must be astronomical. If there's an official statistician of the show, they might actually be able to calculate these odds. That's actually not believable <laughs> that they all have the same birthday. <laughs> it seems a bit odd. It's obvious. just not believable. Yeah. Lima, Ohio, by the way. Lima. Okay. From Ronnie Newmeyer, our friend Chuck and Roxy, episode Ronnie. number one ninety. In 1994, Bill Danoff, of the Starland Vocal Band and co-writer of "Take Me Home, Country Roads," called to ask if my band, Soul could perform at the White House for a reunion party hosted by President Bill Clinton for his 1968 Georgetown University classmates. Danoff, like Clinton, graduated from Georgetown in '68. They had a big graduation party and concert planned that year that was to feature Chuck Berry, the Drifters, and the Spinners. It was canceled in the wake of the assassinations and riots uh, that in 1968. Once Clinton was elected president, he decided they would have the party under a huge tent on the White House lawn in the summer of 1994. Around that time, I had read a story in the Post that mentioned the last time Bill Clinton had a Washington Address it was while attending GU when he lived in a small group house at 4507 Potomac Avenue. Potomac Avenue is a small street off MacArthur Boulevard that overlooks Canal Road. I know this because from 1981 to 1984, my ex-wife and I lived next door to 4507 <laughs> Potomac Avenue where my Soul Cracker's bandmates Chuck Sullivan and Spencer Hoops lived. In the same house Clinton had lived in 15 years earlier, but that's not all. After a year, my friends moved two doors away to a different house on Potomac Avenue with a basement where we formed Soul Crackers. A new group of folks moved into 4507. One of that group was a guy named John Hanrahan, who I knew slightly as a t-shirt vendor at rock shows. The afternoon of the June 1994 party at the White House, I had the chance to talk to Clinton during soundcheck, where he roamed around talking to Chuck Berry and then to our band. I mentioned to him that my friends and he had both lived in the same house on Potomac Avenue in different decades. Clinton immediately said, 4507 Potomac Avenue, that place must be worth a lot of money today. Later that night, I was surprised to run into John Hanrahan and asked what he was doing at the event. He replied he was also a member of the same GU class of 1968. I realized then that four people had lived in the exact same house on Potomac Avenue at different times and were all at the White House party that night. Later that night, we backed up Chuck Berry, but that's another story. And he includes a picture that of this, wild. which is crazy, right? From Greg Newman, I think you're missing out on an incredible opportunity not to join the corporate speaking tour. Think about the appearance requests you could request. <laughs> your favorite ice cream softened to your enjoyment. <laughs> a pair of new nine nineties waiting at each stop. Maybe mm. a bowl of M and M's all one color. A share favorite, I'm told. Yes. Now I know you're not in favor of being around a large group of people, but an added request of a Pope mobile. Just without the moving parts could help that. Just picture the visual. If you added the old PTI turban, you would look like Zoltar from the movie Big. All the while the crowd howls at your stories of Moses Malone's post-up game. It would be amazing. And then to finish each show, we could have local littles uh toss out red ball hats with white embroidery, make America America the Chesarita, Oh the Humanity. Greg is from Reno, Nevada, near Lake Tahoe, where there's lots of snow. So that's he's also the house, the host and the producer of the House detective from Nicholas Varmus or Vanvas. Nicholas Vanvas in Albany, New York. I call dibs on de fact, de, de, defecatory behavior is my bracket name this year. I didn't even get it <laughs> from Mark Schaefer. This is very interesting. On Wednesday's podcast, you read the name of an album called simul justice at peccator and surmised correctly that it was Latin. It is a Latin phrase used by Martin Luther during the Protestant Reformation. That means at once simultaneously, Justif- justified and a sinner. It means that even though you're a miserable wretch of a human being, not you personally, but all of us, according to Luther, you are still nevertheless considered righteous by God and set for salvation. It is a statement of a long-established theological position about the both-and relationship between wicked human nature and divine grace. It has reappeared over the centuries, most recently as the "porque no los dos? Why not both?" commercials for Taco Bell. Theologically yours, Mark. <laughs> from Barry Spiegel in Peoria, Arizona. After sending my email, I headed for my shift at the Peoria Sports Complex for today's exhibition game between Team Canada and the Seattle Mariners. I'm normally in the press box, but today I was running the ball strike scoreboard for the press box. I spotted Dave Sims behind the glass in the adjacent booth, and I got an idea. I wrote this on the back of my Team Canada roster. Dave, a hearty lachiserie from a fellow little. During a Break between innings. Dave stood up for a moment, enabling me to show him the message. After reading it, he broke out into a big smile and clapped in joy. <laughs> Meeting a big made my day. I only hope it made his. From Scott, Mike Huncho Abercrombie in Huntsville, Alabama. Team Spice Boys. These are the guys who cook. Team Spice Boys were once again victorious in the St. George Island, Florida charity Chili cookoff this past weekend. Cooks from our team finished 1-2-3 last year. I only finished second this year, but our team leader, J.G. Mongo Fire Carver, finished first and has once again punched his ticket to the World Championship Chili Kickoff Cookoff in Myrtle Beach at the end of September. I hope Wilbon is proud of us, but I'm sure he's not surprised. Michael, bring the in-laws and come say hello. Myrtle Beach, it's a long drive. From Kenny Ray, our friend Kenny Ray in Fort Walton Beach in Florida. Shout out to loyal little Tom Mosser, the artist who sent you the print of Dog at the Museum, the dog staring at the painting of a tennis ball that you displayed painting. on PTI. I reached out to Tom to see if he could create a print of my dog Samantha, my daughter Samantha's dog, Lucy. The photo of the dog and the drawing he made are attached. It's beautiful, isn't it? Thank you for sharing his work with us. He did this. That's remarkable, isn't it? It's just it? Tom Mosser. Yeah, how great that's is that? talent right there. It's, it's great. If you're out in your bike time, to everyone, as always, do wear white.
4: But I still need... A bit of milk, full fat, which I've warmed in the micro eh? <laughs> I don't need a promise you've stolen my heart The path that we're taking, we don't need a chart know that you're waiting but I don't need time Oh, this love of mine mm-hmm. mm-hmm. To move to the country and wrinkle with age. Birds is our patrons, the land is our stage You play the piano and I'll try to rhyme Oh, this love of mine you in the spaces between all the words that I knew the silence that comes when there's nothing to prove we can be quietly right nothing out of the blue cause you have to admit that there's nothing new and all other feelings recycled in you We'll knock on your door and It's hard.